I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so honored to have my next guest here. We have Adam Nash, who is the founder and CEO of Daffy. And if you don't know what Daffy is, you have to learn all about it. We'll have all the info in the show notes. Adam, I actually met him through the Lobby Conferences, which is a great organization. David Hornick runs the conference. We met, and he was a huge hint for Fan. So we started, he struck up a conversation with me. I don't know if you remember that, Adam. Anyway, I'm really, really excited to always meet a fan, but also just really enjoy you and your impressive, impressive background. So prior to launching Daffy, which we'll hear a lot more about, he was in a series of a few really, really solid positions at Dropbox, uh, LinkedIn, and eBay. And now he's turned his sights towards the nonprofit sector. This isn't your grandma's donor-advised fund. Daffy is changing the landscape of giving by helping people be more generous more often, which I absolutely love that. So more than anything, I'm going to be quiet and let Adam (laughs) call a lot of information out about uh, him and also about the company. But welcome. Yeah, thank you, Karen. As I remember from that first conversation, I kept telling you all these flavors that I loved from Hint, and you just kept telling me that you loved them too, but they were very far from the most popular and that... (laughs) The flavors that I loved weren't necessarily the ones that everyone else loved. Did you tell me Um, cucumber? uh, I liked cucumber. I liked mint. And I love that uh, lemon cayenne flavor. It was was great. That's super good. Um, Yeah. Well, yeah. it's they had a smaller audience, and maybe we'll bring them back at some point along the way too. But especially when you're when you're looking at skew rationalization and all those things, unfortunately, we had to make some hard decisions along the way. So. But nonetheless, you're still a fan. You've got your hint in front of you, which I, I love. So so let's dig in and, and hear from you. So what is Daffy? Yeah, Daffy is a pretty simple idea. Daffy, by the way, uh, stands for the Donor Advised Fund for You, which admittedly is kind of straight up the middle when it comes to naming. But that's what it. you get when you get an engineer founding a company. <laughs> um but no, I mean, Daffy is based on a very simple, old-fashioned idea. I mean, I, I think you know, Kara, I'm, I'm a parent. I have uh, four children. And they have this wonderful tradition. They go to a school every Friday. They bring spare change in. And all the kids put it in this little piggy bank. And then every quarter, the, the class votes on which local nonprofit to give the money to. And it's just such a wonderful way to teach kids about giving and putting money aside and, and thinking about causes. And it just always struck me that it's very strange that we teach our children to put money aside for giving. I mean, if you go to Amazon, every piggy bank 
has a section for here's the money you can spend and here's the money for a rainy day and here's the money to put aside to give to those less fortunate than yourself and it just really just always bothered me that we teach our children these things but as adults we don't do it now of course it turns out that actually there are some adults who do this um, wealthy individuals do put money aside into these accounts called donor advised funds and and for most people they haven't heard of it if you don't have a high-end accountant or wealth manager you probably have not never heard of a donor advised fund but it's kind of like an IRA is for retirement it's just a separate account it's tax advantaged you put money aside it grows and then when you want to give that money to charity you just few taps you could do it and so Daffy was based on the idea that maybe this shouldn't be just something that rich people do maybe it actually be better if the 60 to 70 million households across the US that give to charity every year actually put some money aside for charity on a regular basis. It could be 10 bucks a week, could be $25 a month, whatever you want to do. Everyone has a different number. Um, but the idea was building an app just for giving with a mission, basically, to help people be more generous more often. And, and that's really how Daffy was born. I, 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 my co-founder, Alejandro, worked with me at LinkedIn in the early days. He was my favorite engineer to work with. We've been talking about doing a company for years and then in 2020, in the midst of the pandemic, there was so much focus on what was going on in our communities, all the issues, all the people struggling, that we really felt like now was the time. That now was the time where people were ready for an app or a service that wasn't just about photo sharing or, you know, what what the you know what was funny that today or the news, um, but actually focused on helping other people. And so that you know we. We raised money in the in the fall of 2020 and got going with Daffy. That's amazing. So I introduced you as somebody who's built a lot of incredible products. Do you want to share a little bit about your background? You said you're an engineer, but what else did you do? Oh. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works, and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on. 
helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I think I have, in some ways, I think I have a very typical Silicon Valley story, but I guess I guess nothing in Silicon Valley is truly typical. So um, I grew up in Silicon Valley. My parents are both doctors. Um, in, in college, I majored in computer science um, with a focus on human-computer interaction, really this idea of not just solving the problem from a technical standpoint, but what does it take to really interact and solve problems for the people involved with the software. Um, out of school, I engineer. I went to work at, a, I thought I was going to join Next, um, which was Steve Jobs' old company. But in the midst of my interview cycle, Apple acquired Next. So um, in the late 90s, when Apple wasn't the largest company in the world, actually, it, 
it seemed like it was dying. I, I joined the team and I was working on a project called Rhapsody. Rhapsody became uh, Mac OS X and iOS and all the modern operating systems that Apple has. But um, And I worked on a, a software package called Web Objects, which I'm not sure if anyone uses anymore. But uh, it was the early days. I, I, I jumped. I, I wasn't really into working for a big company at the time. I jumped to my first startup. It was focused on digital software distribution. It it went public in 99. Um, I know that sounds impressive, but it turns out every company went public in 1999. <laughs> so it was just it was just the thing to do. Um, I then went to business school, um, spent some time in venture capital. And, and I've, I've, as you mentioned, I, I've had the good fortune to work at a, lum- a number of groundbreaking companies, um, you know, relatively early days at eBay, building out that product for Web 1.0, um, jump ship to LinkedIn in 2007 to help Reed and the team build that out and stayed running core product through the IPO in 2011. Um, did another stint in venture capital. I tend to do this from time to time. <laughs> and um, joined Wealthfront. There was a there was an idea that we could actually now build consumer software to help people with their money. We now call it FinTech. Um, there wasn't a name for it back then, but met Wealthfront in 2012. I had been an early customer, ended up joining the company and becoming the CEO for four years. Um, ran that through the end of 2016. Um, and then did another in venture capital, spent some time at Dropbox and, and now doing Daffy. But um, I think overall, if you look at my career, it's um, I've crossed a lot of boundaries that normally don't cross startups, big companies, private, public, being on the investor side, being on boards or being the founder, being an engineer. But in the end, uh, well, I just really love the process of, of bringing products to market and, and building great businesses and organizations around them. And so I feel like I spent most of my career trying to bring technology to new areas and thinking of ways that we can make things better than they were before. Is this your first company that you've actually launched from scratch? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah this is the first one where I'm a founder. Yeah. Because you went and ran some of the companies, but you weren't the founder. So interesting. Absolutely. So it's, um, yeah, it's a new, it's a new experience for me. Um, as you know, it, it turns out being a founder isn't the easiest job in the world. Um, but it, um, very exciting. And for me, it, it was, um, I wrote this post actually in 2020, um, when I set off on this journey, um, where I talked about just having never started it from day one, from ground zero. I've been, like I said, been an investor, board member, been an early engineer an employee and executive. Um, but it's very exciting for me to actually build something new and kind of try and put myself into an organization and a product that I think is meaningful and can help a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. So did you always think that you would eventually? I mean, were there points along the way that you you had supported a lot of other people's ideas? Did you ever think, one day I'm going to go do my own? Or I always tell entrepreneurs like, or, you know, want to be entrepreneurs that first you got to come up with the idea, right? I mean, that's the key thing. It's yeah. like, it sounds great to be a founder and or an entrepreneur, but you got to have a great idea. And obviously Daffy is a great one, but were you just so busy helping others to build out companies that you just decided, you know, I'm not going to do mine yet? Um, it, it was always an idea. And, and, you know, growing up in Silicon Valley, there's always a, there's a mystique around founders and, and almost a cult around them. And so uh, I always had considered it, especially when I was doing these rounds with venture capital. Like if you can't find the company to invest in, maybe you start it yourself. Um, but I, I'm, I'm conservative that way. For me, it's not, I mean, product, I, I do product. I love innovation. I love coming up with ideas. Um, so no shortage of ideas, but I think ideas for products and services are very different than ideas for companies. 
Um, for me, the bar was a lot higher. It, it was a little bit a combination of why does a new company have to exist, right? You can have a great product idea, but very often there are existing organizations or companies that would be better suited to do that idea. So it has to be something uniquely disruptive in the market, something where you can look at the existing players and say, no, there are very good reasons why they won't build this. They won't do this. They won't launch this. And also it had to be a unique fit for me personally, right? Like I have a lot of ideas, um, but I, I'm also... Um, have enough humility to go that I, I may not be the best person to do those ideas, right? And so actually as an angel investor, and I'm very active as an investor, a lot of my most rewarding experiences have been working with founders, building up ideas that I think are great ideas and building companies that I think could be great companies. But I also know that I couldn't do them. Like they don't fit my skill set. They don't fit my background. They don't fit uh, what they call in the market um, product founder fit, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so um, I think it just didn't come along. There were a couple times I came close, um, and you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda, maybe could have started something earlier. Um, but for me, Daffy really uniquely hit this um, this realm of a product and a service where I felt like if I didn't start this company, I wasn't comfortable that anyone else would. And I really wanted someone to try this. I really wanted to see this product and service work in the world. And so that's that's how I finally took the leap. Uh, to do Daffy. So take me through the steps in creating Daffy. So you started it in 2020. And I would imagine you wrote a little business plan and and got that kind of going and raised a little bit of capital. But what was sort of the first thing that you really thought, okay, now I need to, this is what I need to do in order to start this? Yeah, well, I, I think there are, there are multiple things. Having sat inside, you know, high quality venture firms, I mean, Greylock is one of the better firms out there historically once again, you get to see hundreds, if not thousands of founders pitch their companies and how they structure them. And you see these amazing success stories. And it, it can actually make it hard as a founder to figure out all the different pieces. Uh, it's almost an impossible problem to figure out everything up front. And it can actually make it hard to take the leap because you can always think of 20 reasons why it's not going to work or that there'll be a problem. For me, though, I like to start with basics, particularly in fintech. Um, when you're talking about money, you're talking about a business around trust. And so I always like to start with, like, is there core economic value? Is there something that you're creating that really has value? So like for Daffy, for example, it turns out the research is very consistent, right? For the same reasons that we do a better job saving for retirement, where money comes out automatically from our paycheck, you know, for a 401k, et cetera, uh, or saving for college, et cetera. It turns out when you automate your giving, putting money aside for charity, when you set a goal, the research says that you actually end up giving more, something like 32% more. And that's that's a big number. In the US, the US in 2020 gave about $476 billion to charity. And 331 billion of that came from individuals. Like, so we're not talking about big companies, we're not talking about talking about foundations, talking about individuals, it's a huge number. But 32% more would mean an extra $100 billion a year. So to me, that was said, okay, there, there really is value to be created here. Like if, if, if organizations had $100 billion more a year to work with, there's a lot of good that they could do with it. Then it became more of a, a market and customer problem of like, well, what's, why isn't the existing industry going after this? And, and that turned out, believe it or not, to just be a business model problem. Most of the donor advised funds out there are run by investment managers. They make their money the same way they've always made it, which is they charge a fee based on the percentage of assets that they have under management. And so it turns out that business model it can work in a lot of different places. But for charity, it has unique problems, right? Not only 
do they have a problem of customer focus? They only care about wealthy people. I mean, who who is wealthy enough to put aside hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars for charity? It's a very small number of people, not even a 1% problem. We're talking 0.1% or, or less. Um, but more importantly, they lose money every time you actually give money to charity, right? If you sure if you have $100,000 at Fidelity Charitable and you decide to give $10,000 of that away to an organization you support, Fidelity's revenue goes down by 10%. It's just, it, it's just a very broken system. And that gave me the confidence that there was a reason for a new company, a new model to think about things differently. And then the last piece was just the product piece was coming up with like, could we build an app and a service that people would really download and sign up for um, to do this problem? And, you know, I've been on the board of Acorns for about six years now. Um, They are now helping almost 5 million people with their financial lives just by saving their spare change and making sure they automatically put money aside for important goals. And so I was really like, wow, if Acorns can get 5 million people or or almost 5 million people to save with a simple app, maybe I can get millions of people to give with a simple app. And so all that came together. And for me, combined with, like I said, the pandemic and timing kind of said, hey, maybe now's the time to go make this happen. And it really helped that I had Alejandro there too, because he was excited about the idea as well. Um, I know there's a lot of debate always about whether being a solo founder or co-founder is better. But for me, it actually really helped to have someone else saying, hey, We'll take this leap together and try and make this work. And by the way, if we can make it work, wow, what a positive difference we could make for millions of people. And so that's that's how I went through my process. Like, how did you get the word out about what you were doing? I mean, you know, you posted on Twitter and, you know, you did a few other things. But how did you get and how are you letting people know about Daffy now? Well, that's a really hard problem. You mean, I assume you mean besides being on. Kara's podcast. Of it's course. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, besides, well, everyone is going to, from <laughs> here, is going to come on to Daffy. But I mean, like, how, I mean, how are you doing that? Because no, it's like I, such I, a, a cool company. With consumer, with consumer products in general, distribution is almost everything, right? Yeah. Like that, that combination of how you get the word out. The great thing about software, of course, is it's very easy to get. We were the first fully functional donor advised fund in the App Store, right? So if you go to Apple's App Store and you want to download an app, to kind of put money aside for charity, et cetera. We were the only ones, even in September, we launched about a year ago, September, 2021. We were the only app there that could do that. But that's not the same as getting the word out, right? My experience, there's a lot of different ways to grow consumer businesses. When it comes to finance though, like I said, money is a trust business. If you look at Wealthfront, if you look at Acorns, if you look at the most successful fintech companies, um, most of their acquisition tends to be from two things. One is word of mouth, right? L- referrals from customers that are happy with the service um, and talk about it with others. And second, it, it tends to be a lot of content, right? There's a lot of people out there searching for information. They want to learn about the area. If you're hitting a large market, you have to meet them when they have those questions, right? So there's a lot of questions people have about giving, about what they're allowed to give, about taxes around giving. Um, a lot of questions about what the right way to give it. And, and um, we do a lot of work to get content out there. Um, but if I looked at Daffy right now, I mean, we're still solving this problem. Let's be clear. We're still very new. We're barely a year old. And most people out there have not heard about Daffy. But our biggest investment right now is just making sure that our customers really love the product and that they love the product enough to tell other people about it. Yeah, well, I think given 
what you've done previously. I always say like, you know, the journey is always just as important, even if you did things wrong along the way, not saying you did, of course, everything was perfect, but you've, you learned a lot. And I think that the one key thing that I think you're highlighting right now is that, you know, making sure that those first hundred consumers love you right? And they love what you're doing because they're going to go and talk about it to their friends and that's how it's going to continue growing. So I think it's really smart to get it right in those first few people. So you mentioned about the funding. How did you raise money for this? Obviously self-funded a little bit of it. I mean, it's a brand new thing that you're doing. How did you go out and raise money for it? Well, this is where you get kind of the the founder product fit, et cetera. One of the reasons I liked the idea of doing this company um, is because, first of all, giving is something that for most people comes uh, a little later in their careers and lives, right? Like you get out of college, people say they want to help, they want to do things. But understanding things like what a donor advised fund is or what it really means to have good years and bad years and putting money aside, et cetera, is not something that occurs to the average 20-year-old. Um, and so this, I felt like as a founder, I could uniquely understand this problem and, and kind of convey it. But, you know, yeah, we actually went through very traditional venture channels, right? So Ribbit Capital, which has been an investor and I'm, you know, I, I've known for a long time um, in a number of capacities, um, was excited about the idea and was willing to, to basically fund the seed round in 2020 into, into the idea with me and Alejandro. It helped that Alejandro and I had track records, right? That we'd had success and understood problems. I mean, venture capitalists in general don't love technology risk. They don't love, um, you know, operational risk, et cetera. And so the fact that Alejandro and I are kind of proven operators, proven executives um, meant a lot, I think, to raising the initial money. But also in terms of the sector, like I said, like we're not completely making this up. I mean, charitable giving is really quite large. Like when I said it was 476 billion in 2020, to be clear, that's more than 2% of GDP. I think it's 2.3%. Um, all of agriculture is less than 1% of GDP. So it really is actually a very big market. And there are public companies that are built either partially or completely on serving this market. And so a lot of the way we raised money was basically saying, no, 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 there, there really is a market here. There really is a need here. Um, and we have an idea for something very differentiated and disruptive that we could do here. And so fortunately, there are venture capital firms like Ribbit that are willing to take those risks, right? Yeah. Not every venture cap, I, you know, I always tell founders, um, you know, most venture capitalists will not do your deal, right? Most, they will not write that no matter how much you talk to them, no matter how much you sell them, it's just not their, it's not their comfort zone. It's not where their expertise is. It's not what their fund is based on. It's not their history. And so I think we just got very lucky that Ribbit Capital likes funding operators like myself into fintech markets like this, where you have a disruptive opportunity. Um, and then, of course, we um, we launched the product quickly. We built the team. Um, we went from Alejandro and myself at the end of 2020, just the two of us as co-founders, a seed round. Actually, when we raised the seed round, we didn't even have a business account to put the check into. The lawyers had to hold it in escrow. For about a week while we got the business bank account opened, et cetera, because we had been self-funding to date. Um, we uh, built the team. Alejandro has a great reputation. A um, number of people who I'd worked with before wanted to work with me again. Um, got the product launched. We launched September 30th, 2021. And that launch went well enough that actually our existing investors, Rivet and XYZ Ventures, um, were willing to preemptively do the Series A. So we raised more money at the beginning of 2022, which, of course, given the way 2022 has gone, 
um, turns out to be excellent really timing. Yeah. So how many yeah. people now do you have in the company? Uh, we have 22 people at the company. Um, and it's a remote first company. It was my first experience ever doing this, obviously. Uh, for most people, pandemic created this new thing. But it's actually been wonderful to build. We have these wonderful new traditions that we have on how we work together um, based on being remote first. And it really has opened up talent um, to us, not just around the country, but even around the world. What have you learned is kind of the big trick on launching with no physical space as a, uh, you know, from the start? You know, that's a good question. I, I'm a little bit old fashioned when it comes to these things. So when it comes to startup teams, etc., I like to solve problems in person, you know, getting in a room, working the issue, working through it, talking, etc. So the idea of having a remote first company wasn't natural for me. Um, but it turns out that actually on the engineering side, this has been well known for a long time, right? How do open source projects work, right? There are some phenomenal, I mean, I, I think that WordPress now serves up over 40% of the web pages on the web. That's always been a remote first company and I've known Matt for a while. And so I knew that there were these successful patterns. For me though, a lot of it had to do with two things that that I had to pull out of my operating background that became very relevant for a remote first company. One was um, get used to writing, right? You know, the idea that you can just walk around and talk to people and see these ideas and be the typical CEO or founder, just repeat yourself over and over and over again, which as we know, seems to be part of the job of being a CEO is repeating yourself over and over and over again. Um, but, but writing your thoughts down, crisp frameworks, logic, we've all seen these notes. We're always impressed. I, I, I grew up being impressed with, you know, the beauty and simplicity of, you know, Warren Buffett's annual notes, or every now and again, Jeff Bezos puts together these fabulous writing. But um, as a product leader, I got, I was very used to, I learned at eBay and LinkedIn that the difference between talking about something versus writing it down, structured thought, um, is phenomenal when you're organizing a team where you can't get everyone in a room, right? I actually learned this process as things scaled, right? Like when I left LinkedIn, LinkedIn had over a thousand people, and if I wrote a document and circulated, then actually I could get a thousand people to understand the problem and align around a direction to solving it um, that I could never have done with 100 meetings, 200 meetings. And so our culture at Daffy is very much based on writing, right? When people have product ideas, technical solutions, we write, um, we write frequently, we share it constantly, and we keep it so we can refer to it um, based on what we've learned. The second thing we have, though, is, is more about how do you keep the energy going? How do you celebrate each other's efforts? So we have this wonderful tradition at Daffy. Um, every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, we all get on a Zoom call um, and people share what they worked on this week. It's a little bit show and tell. Um, if you're it. an engineer, it might be code. It might be back end. It might be front end. It might be UI. It might be design. Um, we have marketers talking about the campaigns that they're working on, et cetera. Um, Fantastic way to share knowledge, but also um, it builds energy, right? When you see other people do amazing things, it makes you want to do amazing things. It also gives you ideas on how you can leverage the amazing things that everyone on your team is doing. And this was, I can't take credit for it. It was Alejandro's idea, but having this weekly touch point where we show what we've been working on has been a fantastic way through the pandemic to maintain momentum and energy. And now that we're launched, it's, it's really actually wonderful to have a meeting that isn't about business strategy. It's not about current events. Um, it's actually about what's getting done. Um, I, I just yeah. find it a wonderful element of the culture. And you know, now we actually have a headquarters in Los Altos, and I have an office I go into twice a week um, because some people like going into the office um, and being together, um, and I like to support that. But in general, I, I found that these cultural elements, the writing 
and the kind of energy from kind of the show and tell that we do, the demo hour every Friday are, are things I hope we never lose. Yeah. And how long do you sign on for? Oh, for the demo hour? It's, it's an hour. We try to keep it tight. It's something we can do. We're not a huge team, obviously. Yeah. So, um, and not everyone presents every week, but in general, it's kind of a fun thing for, for us to go through the round. It's also a nice time to see each other and be a little bit more casual. I'm used to demos at companies being relatively either overprepared where they've had meetings upon meetings upon meetings, not to make the product better, but to make the presentation to the executives better. Like, you know, as, as, a, as a product leader, like I, I'm always used to like, I always feel guilty about the amount of work, you know, we, we used to call it Dropbox, like work about work. It's right. Like this is, you know, like it, it's not actually to make the product better. It's to make the meeting go better so that it doesn't get derailed by some executive um, which always seems like such a waste of time. But um, I love having these meetings where people actually show you what was hard, what was interesting, what part of the problem was neat, their ideas about what you could do with this. You know, my experience has been almost every engineer and designer who works on something has an idea about why it's important and what it could do and, and put some real thought why the problem was hard to begin with. And um, I just love the environment it creates around kind of continuous learning. Um, and so um, anyway, it's been a wonderful aspect of the remote first thing. But like I said, I'm a people person. I do like going to the office. I do like seeing folks. Um, we have a number of people on the team who we've been able to recruit um, because actually they have fatigue from being purely remote and they want to go in. They want to have that experience. But um, Alejandro and I are trying to be flexible about it, learn new things, right? This is a, I think there's a new, for lack of a better term, this is this is truly kind of a new world we're emerging into out of the pandemic. I don't think it's going back to the way it was exactly. Um, and so we're trying to marry the best of both worlds as, to the extent we can. I love it. Well, this has been such a pleasure speaking with you. I'm so excited about Daffy. I have, as you're talking, I have a million ideas. Uh, you know, I would imagine you're going to be going into corporations at some point with this because that's where, you know, there will definitely be the people that might want to put some of their savings aside towards a cause. I know as a leader of a company, I mean, that was something that people were constantly asking about, uh, too, that they want to know what the company supported. But And if you decided that you were going to support one thing, then maybe people didn't think that that was you know, the right thing. So being able to do whatever they wanted to do, I think is on your platform would be amazing. Yeah, we actually do that at, at Daffy. So everyone who works at Daffy, um, it, it's almost similar to a 401k. Yeah. We, we give everyone $100 a month into their donor advised fund um, so they can give the way that they want to give um, and get used to the habit and, and get used to the product. So, um, you know, we try to design Daffy. Um, we take our mission really seriously, this idea of helping people be more generous more often. We just try to make it very easy for people to do the right thing. Um, when I started talking to folks, when I did the user research and the customer development for Daffy. It really struck me that most people, not everyone, by the way, but most people were raised to believe that giving is something that they should do, right? That no matter what's going on in your life, there's people who have it worse than you. Um, and that actually the right thing to do, not just for yourself, but for society is to put some money aside and give to others to get out of your own selfish needs. Um, so what we discovered though, is that most people believe that, but they don't get around to it. Life is busy. They have work, they have family, they have social life. We had a pandemic. There's all these things going on. And so a lot of what we like about Daffy is people seem to sign up for it. They set it up and it mostly works, right? And they like these small things. They don't, 
They don't have to search for donation receipts at tax time every year. Um, if they had a good year in crypto or stock, which at this point, very few people have, um, but you know, the ability to donate stock, donate crypto used to be something only wealthy people could do, but now anyone can do it with this app. I think one of our first donations was from um, a guy in New York who wanted to donate a Bitcoin to his synagogue. The synagogue couldn't take the Bitcoin, but he read about us and said, oh, I download Daffy. I give you guys the Bitcoin. And then you'll get the money to the synagogue. And so we just love making everything easier about giving. But you're right. There are so many ideas here. We've met so many great people who wish that giving could be easier or more fun or more social. And um, I love the idea that Daffy could be the platform where we enable all of those features. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. Well, we'll have all the info in the show notes, but thank you so much, Adam. I mean, you're so wise and there's so many lessons here. I'm, you know, really, really inspired by everything that you're doing and very, very excited to have everyone who's listening to this podcast go on to Daffy and uh, at least go try it and uh, maybe even recommend it to your corporations and make Adam's email inbox blow up with the same. Yes, we want this. Thank you, Kara. Thanks all for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And I want to thank all of our guests and our sponsors. And finally, our listeners. Keep the great comments coming in. And one final plug. If you have not read or listened to my book, Undaunted, please do so. You will hear all about my journey, including founding, scaling, and building the company that I founded, Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.